Hello, it is Wednesday, August 26th. I am Trent Reinsmith, your host, and this is another edition of the Daily Come On Now MMA podcast. Today's topics are fighters should play a big part in laying out and telling the UFC their needs for a truly self-sufficient UFC hotel. Is the UFC keeping fights on Anderson Silva's contract for a reason? I believe they are. My guess on what Dana White will say at the RNC. And is a retirement threat a good way to negotiate a new UFC deal? Maybe, and I'll tell you why. So I spoke about this, the, hotel, the UFC hotel that Dana White said they're going to start building um, next year. He said this last night at the conclusion of the Dana White Contender Series fight fight card. Said the UFC had bought 10 acres of land and they were going to build a hotel on that site. It's near the headquarters, near the apex. So it's a, a good parcel of land for, for a hotel. He provided some additional details that I did not get last night. Uh, I got them today, so a little more to discuss. Said the hotel was going to be for the fighters only, which I'm going to assume fighters and camps, and that it was going to be set up with the fighters in mind. And what that will do is uh, cut down in costs for um, transportation, hotels, food, they can all train if the time is right that folks can train at the pi uh, it, it just makes everything very convenient and it something like that should pay for itself pretty quickly uh, which is is a good business move i don't have anything bad to say about that the fact that what i discussed yesterday with the fact that the UFC said that it, now was a bad time to discuss money with the fighters and bad time for anybody to ask for a, ask for a raise. That seems to have gone by the wayside, so it's probably not a bad idea to at least question the payouts and the revenue split. If the fighters so choose to do that, if the media presses that, I would, I would hope both of those things happen because it's a question that, well, it's a question that should be asked because earlier in the COVID-19 pandemic stages, that was one of the talking points. There's no money because no gates, um, because we're in a pandemic that was rolled out. The no gates were rolled out, but now you're going to pay for 10 acres of land and a hotel. The no money argument kind of goes by the wayside at that point. So needs to be brought up. But what I would hope the UFC does here, and it has a tendency not to do this, and this is the same thing I said about the Venom deal, bring the fighters in or at least a group of fighters a well rounded group of fighters from different camps different locations across the world different weights 
different stages in their careers, bring them in, speak to them about what they want to see and what they need to make this hotel complete and effective. Um, so it is a place they'll be comfortable in, training in, cutting weight in, preparing, eating, so everything can de- be contained in that hotel so they don't have to go out. Now, some fighters are still going to elect to get out of there and stay at an Airbnb and whatnot with their camp. That's fine. That's understandable. That's probably all going to come out of their pockets at, at, once this is established. I'm going to assume that there is a, a a set amount that they get for hotel stays with the deals that the, uh, the UFC has with the with the uh, whoever they contract with for for fight weeks, and I think once this is established, if that per diem is there, everything is going to come out of a, a fighter's pocket if they elect to elect to uh, stay off site. Which again, understandable. If they have this for you and it's complete, maybe maybe use it. But if you have a giant camp and there's issues there. Maybe maybe you still do the uh, Airbnb if you want to. But I would hope that also the number of people that the fighters can bring in will, will go up in this situation too. Um, and maybe that, maybe they get charged for that. Because I know there's a set number of camp, people in a camp that can be brought in per event. So there's a lot of things to discuss. Do you have a... Uh, a gym and a sauna and a steam room and a workout room and a place to roll and a, maybe even some kind of place to spar on every floor on every other floor there has to be a way to separate the camps there's a lot to go into this if they want to truly make it self-sufficient and so logistically you bring the logistics people in you bring the designing people in and you bring the fighters in and the ufc reps in and you say, what do you need and what can we do? And you try and find a, a happy medium for everyone. But if it's for the fighters, which Dana White said, it's for the fighters, then make it for the fighters and have them come in and discuss their needs. Like I said, a well-rounded group that represents every weight class, different, different stages of career, different ages, different locations around the world, different cultures, etc. What do you need to make this work for you? I hope, I really hope they do that. It would be great if they would. Still plenty of time since they're not going to start building according to White until 2021. I don't know what's happening here, but I'm going to consider that first thing pro-UFC and this next subject also pro UFC. It's a it's a historic day at the uh, Come On Now MMA podcast. Someone tell Dana White, maybe I won't be a piece of shit scumbag anymore. Nah, don't worry about that. I'm sure I'll always be a piece of shit scumbag. <laughs> anyway, so today I tweeted out, which will be yesterday by the time you hear this, 
tweeted out that uh, I had a conspiracy theory that the UFC was going to was leaving con was leaving fights on Anderson Silva's contract as he retires for a reason, and that reason was preventing him from signing with uh, another organization if he is if he retires. So if there's fights on his contract and he retires, those fights stay on his contract. If he ever wants to come back, that contract is uh, enforceable. At least it's enforceable, and I don't know if anyone's ever tested that. So it's enforceable until someone tries to get out of it. So enforceable. And I think that's the uh, I think that's a good business move for the UFC because now I don't know how they if. Silva willingly retired here with with fights on his contract. That's a different situation and not privy to the answer to that question. But let's assume that he did. Let's assume that Anderson Silva said, hey, this is my last fight and I want this to be my last fight. And the UFC says, okay, but you still have fights on your contract. Just keep that in mind. Or they don't say, okay, they still have fights on your contract. Maybe they just know that and it goes unmentioned. Whatever the case, Anderson Silva retiring with fights on his contract bad for Silva, good for the UFC. Because like I said, prevents him from unretiring and coming back and fighting for another organization like one or Bellator, even for one fight because he could make a ton of money fighting for one-offs for other promotions because he's Anderson Silva. So I don't I don't think I think this is a very savvy move from the UFC, and I do not think it's a rare move, uh, especially with fighters with names like Saint Pierre's got fights left on his contract, um, and I'm I'm gonna probably guess that if Lesnar ever decides that he's gonna come back, he probably has fights on his contract with the UFC, because if not, someone would o- offer him the bank. I'm sure. And if someone retires as a champion, they're automatically going to have fights on their contract if they retire, which champions clause, different story. But like I said, I agree that this is a good business move. And I don't think it's a good business move for Anderson Silva, but that's up to him and his management team. But UFC wise, good move. And I can't say anything bad about it, and I hope that Silva realizes the situation he is in and actually wants to retire at this time. Um, Because if he does, good for him, because the last seven years have not been kind to him. He has actually eight years. His last win was October 2012. I'm sorry, not his last win. October 2012, he bet he beat uh, Stephen Bonner. Oh, that was a that was a good stoppage. And uh, then in 2017, he beat Derek Brunson. Other than that, one, two, three, four, six losses, one no contest, no contest. Nick Diaz won. Everybody tested positive for drugs. Silva for uh, steroids, and Diaz for what else? marijuana so yeah if he does decide to retire 
no one's going to hold that against uh, Silva, even if he does have fights left on his contract. So by now, everyone probably knows that Dana White's going to speak at the Republican National Convention on, when is this? I think Thursday. I think, when you, well, when you listen to this, it'll be, it'll be today. So he's in a, in a, a weird spot with this because he's the, the president of a, a global organization. And as such, he has to to think about um, fighters from all over the world and some of the things Trump has said and some of the things Trump has done and some of the things he has tried to enact or has enacted has affected these folks and their families. And not in a good way. He's been, Trump's been good for business, 100%. He's been good to white, 100%. But the fighters, many fans, not so good. Some fans, I'm sure that some fans like Trump. And that's fine. To each their own, I guess. Uh, but um, specifically with white, I don't... He has to be very careful because if he comes out on the wrong thing, he's, he's going to... He could, uh, he could really piss off the uh, the fighters and the fans. So it's a, a tricky thing for him. So I think what he's going to mostly do is the same thing he did in his first speech, and that's talk about how Trump was and is and has been friendly to the UFC. And while I don't agree with it, I think if he sticks to that formula... It's a safe formula for him, and it, it allows him to, I guess, distance himself from some of Trump's other words and actions, at least in his mind, I'm sure that's how it works. To me, to me, if you speak for someone, then I think you, you're, you're kind of in the boat where you are a representative for that person. That's my opinion. And, uh, and I, I, if I was asked to speak at a, a political, uh, which this would never happen, but if I was asked to speak at a political event, I would, I would be honest and I would say, here's what I like, here's what can be improved. And I don't think White will do that, but if he did that, that I would, I would that would blow my mind, but I don't think that's going to happen. What I think is going to happen is he's going to go out there, talk about friendship, talk about um, loyalty, and talk about what White and Trump and the other leaders of the sports world did to get sports back on track. Now, with what's going on in Wisconsin, I don't know. I don't know how especially with the NBA, um, what, what the NBA is doing, I don't know if you bring up sports right now <laughs> and Trump. Um, so, yeah, White's in a, in a spot. He's in a, a pickle a bit, but like he said, he doesn't care what people think of him, but he should at least care about 
what his fighters and fans think of him. And maybe his bosses, I don't know. Um, but everyone has the right to, to their own opinion, and I'm just saying what I think is going to happen. He's going to stick to the uh, loyalty and friendship line, and that'll be, that'll be the way it'll go. And that, like I said, that allows White to distance himself on anything that might be distasteful um, that Trump does. Distasteful to, to White. That's my guess. So I guess we'll see. Like White said, if you want to see, tune in. I'm not going to tune in, but you can tune in if you want. Kevin Draper wrote a story for the New York Times. came out today. And John Nash from Bloody Elbow is in, was quoted in the story. And it's uh, about UFC contracts and retirement. Now, Dana White's going to tell you that, that uh, Kevin Draper doesn't know anything about the UFC and try to disparage his name. But please keep in mind, Kevin Draper knows about the UFC. He wrote for Deadspin before he worked at the New York Times. And he has covered... MMA and the UFC in the past so don't listen to what uh, Dana White has to say about this so the gist of the article is that threatening retirement might be the only way UFC fighters can improve their contracts and I would say maybe, maybe because if that is why if that was the game Henry Cejudo was playing, it backfired. John Jones, jury's still out. Conor McGregor, I don't think he retired. So I think he's on pause. If you if you three, retire three times, uh, I'm not going to believe you're truly retired for a couple years. And and this might be true. You, you that might be the only leverage fighters have, and oh, so Jorge Masvidal as well. That might be the only leverage fighters have. But it's very, very, very few fighters have that leverage. And the reason for that is the reason the UFC promotes UFC and Dana White over fighters because the UFC knows. The fighters are interchangeable. And if you establish that the brand is more important than the product, well, then the brand is what people are paying to see. And that's the case. Now, if you get a star like a Conor McGregor, like a John Jones, like a Ronda Rousey, like a Jorge Masvidal for a small sliver of time, then you can maybe... If you're in that position, maybe you can hold out and make it work for you. But if you're in a position where you're just a, a maybe a fight night main eventer, the UFC is just going to ignore your threats to retire. They're going to tell you to retire. And if you have fights on your contract when you retire, well, you remain tied to the UFC even though you're retired. So it's a risky proposition and I wouldn't suggest it to anyone except the biggest stars like the top three or four because I think it backfires in any other um, situation Uh, 
But what Draper mentions at the end of the story is the antitrust suit, which is ongoing. And according to Draper, the judge that is overseeing that suit is going to soon decide if it um, will, if he will grant it class action status. And if that's the case, and it moves forwards, the fighters could. Um, get some payouts and it could also change the structure of the contracts in the future it'll change a lot of things in the future I think so I don't if it if if it is granted class action status I'm gonna probably look for the UFC to settle it and maybe tweak some small things so I hope that if it is granted that that the fighters who filed the suit stay in it for the long haul um, don't settle because settling will I don't think I, I don't think if they settle anything substantial will get changed but we shall see but yeah it's a it's still an interesting time in the UFC but I would not recommend retirement ploys as a good contract uh, good way to negotiate a new deal um, I think that just backfires. Well, I know the last few ran a little long, and so I'm going to wrap this one up a little early today. So, I'll be back tomorrow. Until then, stay safe.